Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Here we go. Time for our near award winning segment, What Mark Heard. And that would be Mark Grody and... That would be the time that we find out what Mark heard this week. Mark. I have a lot here, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining edition of what Mark heard. And we'll start with the White Sox game from last night in a Sox 9-8 win over Detroit. And Dallas Keuchel in this game got the start, goes six innings, allowed one earned run, five hits, three strikeouts, one walk, and only had had... 80 pitches when he was pulled. So there were a lot of irate White Sox fans wondering why Tony La Russa went to the bullpen at that point. And my good friend and White Sox historian Dan Dorfman told me, oh man, Ozzy just went off on the media for not asking about Dallas Keuchel. So I haven't even heard this yet, but I'm going to trust that it is a pretty good rant and challenge from Ozzie Guillen on NBC Sports Chicago last night. Steve, let us listen. The people covered this ball club today, the media, you guys are weak. Where's the camera? Here? You guys are weak. How you cannot ask Tony Arusa why Kaiko is pitch only 80 pitch? At least we need to know why, because 80 pitch, I don't care about the innings. 80 pitch, you know what I mean, can give you another one. But I'm concerned about him. Can he go out for another inning? Or oh, was his back was tight, his hamstring was sore, his arm was dead. Any, any, anything. Why the media in Chicago is so soft? They are so soft. I'm here since 1985 to right now. It was 2021? Uh, it's 2021? Alive. I'm being here. Well, you guys I- are soft. Yes. No, I hear what you're yes, saying. Yes, I'm here. I, I want to know the answer, too. I want uh, well, to ask the question. Well, we need it. This is, this is a big story of the game because yeah, we need it. the Sox won the game. We're thrilled about it, but they almost lost it because of the bullpen. Well, and it, like I say, I told you, I say, I hope it's nothing wrong. Right. I, I hope it's just, listen, my back tight or my arms not feel well. We might, well, we might hear from Keiko while we're on oh, the I know, but, but that's the manager's answer. Keiko just said, you know what? Nobody answered. I don't nope. know why. Nobody asked the question. Do you know how no guts? Period. Man. Wow. God. Wow. 
Well, that is a question that should be asked. Why did you take Keuchel out? Was he hurt? Yeah, I I mean, there was a lot going on in that game. So, I I mean, and that was even of more consequence as time went on, like Cody Hoyer and Evan Marshall and Yermin Mercedes and Yasmani Grandal. But, yeah, I guess they probably should have snuck that question in. Yeah, especially when you see the uh, what the bullpen did. I mean, I would, it, Evan Marshall was a it, rocky start and to the season. Then was really, I mean, that was the first homer, and now it's homers he'd given up since April. So he gone all of May without it, and that's okay. Now this is starting to get in line with a bullpen, and Hoyer didn't have it. He got it, and and trying to protect these kind of leads, they needed another home run. It's just, you're, you're not, this bullpen should not be doing that. And you shouldn't need your, with it, with a seven to two lead, you shouldn't expect to have Liam Hendricks have to come in, in the ninth inning and then try to win it in the bottom of the ninth. So the question should have been asked and we don't know, maybe it was Tony overcompensating for the time. He didn't realize Giolito had completely lost it. And maybe somebody on the bench, like the pitching coach said, um, this is when we make that move. We go to our bullpen. So, good point, Ozzy. And it is, yeah, I mean, it is relatively typical for starters these days to go six innings. Now, 80 pitches is not a lot. And Keuchel's kind of been on and off. So, yeah. Well, we'll leave it right there. Hey, keep your heads up, White Sox media. I, I think you're great. I do. And I don't think you're soft. All right. Let's let's move on to one more <laughs> Ozzy Ian cut. <laughs> and this is just hilarious. Um, Ozzy Guillen talking about um, those people who get college degrees and people who speak languages, and it, it got to Don Cooper at one point in time. Just listen to this and enjoy it. Here's Ozzy Guillen again on NBC Sports Chicago. You know what's funny about this uh, United States school? <laughs> Guys can even spell B. They can go, go from college. Now you're saying about Frank? I'd say by anyone is out there, whoever, you, if the shoes fit, wear. Yes. Like, oh, I'd rather for, uh, by the way, I got a manager. <laughs> Alex Cora, brother from Miami. Yeah. He came in and said hello in Spanish. They're like, how you graduate from college? Here's a, here's a scholarship. Come to my school. Help I, us win. I, I, I might go there. Do I will go to some college here in Chicago. Please, I will donate half a million dollars. Give me some degrees. Uh, you see, 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 it was like that manager, hey, that breeze hey, manager, see, yeah. sneaking behind yeah. the mountain. You see, gotcha, Ozzy. Like, <laughs> hey, I swear to God, I will donate $500,000 to a college if I have some diploma. You would I, not. Come on. I bet you like Just 20, to get a diploma, you would donate $500,000. Yeah, you, you will see people calling my son like, hey, wait, we can talk to us. Yeah, exactly, can talk to us. exactly. Be an honorary. Somebody can give you an honorary degree. degree. Maybe University of Chicago. Well, they did it That's to close to the They did it. University of Chicago. They did it, they did it, they did it to Don Cooper, the dumbest man I've ever in my life. He got a college degree. I'm like, oh my God. Really? <laughs> Cooper came and say his, his grandkids, his kid's name. Oh, and he got a college degree. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, Don Cooper. No, he got a go. He's a doctor. He's Dr. Don Cooper. Oh, my God. He's the dumbest man. Nice. <laughs> All right. The scorched earth Aussie. That's quite a thing. That's it. The media. Don Cooper, that I'm going to pay to have to get my degree. All right, sure. Yeah, why not? Can you imagine Cooper getting wind of this? Like, what did I do? I'm just retired here. I, 
I'm hanging out with my birds and my dogs, and I hear this about Ozzy. I think that those two should actually do like a a Q&A comedy tour because they'd be hilarious, hilarious, just with the ball buzzing that would go on between Ozzy Guillen and Don Cooper would be, if I may say, deluxe. Deluxe. It would be. It would be deluxe. Just. All right. Whoa, 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 chief. That would. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quite I just a thing. Needed, yeah. That, I just thought that great. everybody needed to hear that. That was awesome. All right. Let's move on to Bears now. I had Marty Morningweg on the show last night, and he is the. I'm sure most Bears fans remember him as the Detroit Lions head coach years ago, early 2000s. Um, the former 49ers OC, a Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach, a guy who has been around forever. Um, so I had him on. He was great. He was on at 7 o'clock last night. We talked for about a half an hour. And I've had Brandon Fryer, our producer, put together the stuff that he talked about as far as Justin Fields and the Bears are concerned. Well, it looks like the Chicago Bears got their man. Uh, this is a man that has all the physical skills, the height, the weight, the arm. Now, I would work to quicken his release up uh, just a little bit. Don't change it, but just quicken it up a little bit. He's got excellent athleticism. Geez, I think he ran a 4-4-4 at the combine. Now, now that minicamp that you were just at, I, I heard you talking about, there is an awful lot of learning going on. And to be a great NFL quarterback, the decision-making, the accuracy, the timing is so important, and then you, that will allow you to let your instincts take over. Hundreds and hundreds of repetitions mm. in many camps and OTAs. And look at the young guys, especially the young guys that have this great speed and athleticism, uh, typically – they rely on their feet more than playing the quarterback position. Position. So all of the young quarterbacks I've had, I've really emphasized, play the quarterback position first and then move only when you're forced to move. And then you can utilize all that dynamic ability. So I think that's what they're probably going through. I'm sure they're emphasizing some of those things between Matt and Bill and John. Yeah, that's Marty Morningweg. I thought the the quick and the release stuff was interesting. And yeah, of course, you want your quarterback to be able to throw the ball first before running. And it would appear, Steve, that Justin Fields is adept at that since he the the prowess as far as the long ball is concerned. What did you get out of that? Yeah, I, I, I the when I hear. Initially, when he was drafted, you saw scouting reports, and it was needs to get rid of the ball sooner. And it should have been explained, and then this is a matter of degrees. Is he holding the ball because he looks deep to short? Is he holding on to the ball longer than you might want, you critic, you, you scout, whatever it is, <clears throat> because he's waiting for a deep guy to come open? That's the way he wants to play the game. That's one of the big things, one of the big reasons the Bears fell in love with him. He looks deep to short. He's not looking to throw the, the, the flare. He's not looking to check down. And you got, you're going to hold on to the ball too long when that happens. So I don't know specifically what Marty Morningweg was talking about. But I do know that the reason for the speed of the game in every area for 
Justin Fields is going to be such that he's never seen before, even playing at a big-time program. It's going to be the <clears throat> a receiver. The defensive backs are so fast that he doesn't know what a receiver looks like when he's open in the NFL. The pass rush is so fast. Guys will be at his feet sooner than he knows. His clock will have to be readjusted. That's all true. But think about it, Mark. When... When can this really happen? When can Justin Fields take the actual experience of it? Not until uh, an exhibition game. Because right. nobody's going to touch him. His life's not in danger until mm-hmm. that point, right? Correct. They're not, Absolutely. They're not, <clears throat> and even if they had the joint practices that they've done before, this quarterbacks are still wearing the red jerseys. Yeah, I mean, there's there's very little to discern from or to conclude from any of the off-season stuff, especially these OTAs, you know, where they are in shorts and they are playing against air for the most part. So it it is, yeah, absolutely. Also, August 14th, all, that's when you see him all, play. Yeah, but also there's the, the, the number, what he was talking about was with all the reps, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands mm-hmm. of reps. See, that's that's will always be an issue. Why didn't Justin Fields get these reps? Well, because Andy Dalton needed him. He's QB one, and they're both learning the same playbook. They're both gonna they're gonna stumble at different points, not necessarily the same points. And Justin Fields may look better because he can outrun his inability to digest the playbook and digest NFL speed. Andy Dalton may not, but he's learning the same playbook. And dividing up reps is going to be telling and huge, I think. And I I don't know what Matt Nagy's going to do, and he's not really telling you, right? Right. I mean, all all he has said of anything definitive is that Andy Dalton gets the first snaps with the first team. So as far as like quantity by like who's actually finishing, as we always say in, in NBA, doesn't matter who starts, it's about who finishes. That's what we'll track when we have an opportunity to track such things in the practices. Did you um, was there an opportunity Wednesday when when you guys were allowed in or will it be next week? Did or wasn't it yeah. an issue really? What what's that? As far as you like know, counting the practice? counting reps. Counting who got Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're allowed to watch the entire practice. We are, it gets a little tricky with, like, how much we can reveal. But I will say that, yeah, Andy Dalton was getting, as Matt Nagy said, it was getting the first reps with the first team, but it was very casual. Um, and Justin Fields was getting his fair share as well. I did not count exact because mm. there were so many different manifestations of offensive line, and there was nothing that they were doing seemed remotely exact to what you will see on September 12th. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we'll have another chance on Wednesday to get out there too. So they, they let us watch the whole thing, but we got to be careful with how much we, we reveal, unless the coach reveals it via Zoom. It's complicated, Steve. It's complicated. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll wait um, for you to suss it out for me. Yeah, I'll su- Hey, I'll tell you off air. Uh, no, I, I really have nothing more to add. I know that pisses okay. the listeners off anyway. But no, no, I have more on what Mark heard, and yep. that is Vincent Goodwill, YahooSports.com oh, yeah. was was on the score, 
And Vincent, uh, he's a great reporter, and he's a very entertaining guy. But he does like to troll Chicago for some reason. He likes to troll Bulls fans and every chance he gets. It's like, why do you hate Chicago so much? He is a Detroit guy. Um, and he was kind of, he was on with the afternoon show, and he was kind of kind of trolling them again. Take a listen. I think the mental toll that all this has taken on LeBron and the Lakers starting from the bubble and ending and then going to the shortened season. I think you just saw it all sort of crashing down. It was a little bit surprising. They were blitzed. And sometimes when you see that and it's a little bit surprising, it, it, it takes your life a little bit. So I wasn't really surprised that he reacted that way. I was more surprised that the Lakers tried to make a game of it. Like they were furious in their comeback. And you wind up losing a little bit of energy when the other team hits a few more shots and they stretch the lead back to 16 or 19. So I, I can see that. And I'm sure people in Chicago are rejoicing because LeBron doesn't get close to, to title number five, which means the legacy of Michael Jordan is even protected even more. So I totally understand where you guys are coming. That is 100% correct. <laughs> yeah. I'm that right. guy. I'm that guy. The Jordan legacy did get further protection. It is not out of the woods. But as I was saying the other day, if LeBron James does get to six, then we really have to have the conversation about who's better, Michael or LeBron. Until that time, I've always felt that we didn't really need to have the conversation. Right. And I would still say Bill Russell. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you want to count? Go ahead. Count titles, count numbers, and and... <clears throat> Bill Russell's legacy is safe from LeBron James by several lifetimes at this point. So uh, that's not happening either. A guy who won like that and could dominate. He, he yeah. got the ball. Somebody had to go get the ball for you, and he would still do 20 and 15 or 15 and 20, whatever you needed. That's the way Bill Russell would do it. So Yeah. What do you, what do you think of LeBron? Were you happy that the Lakers were eliminated? No. or No. Okay. No, I wanted to see. I, I wanted to see them go. It would have been a. A great story if they went back to back that way. Yeah. And health seems to be catching up with teams, and it was such an experience. And they won, they won one, and they weren't going to get this one. And guys kept getting hurt. I, what are you going to do? That's it. They had to play the playing game. And I know that there was fear and feeling like this isn't fair. We shouldn't have to play the Lakers. That was it. When the Lakers won that playing spot and then moved to. All right, we're playing. We're taking on Phoenix. Phoenix said, "No, we played." There, there were some comments out of Phoenix and the media surrounding the whole thing. Is wait, why do we have to play LeBron? We finished second. We shouldn't have to do this. Well, you're going to have to beat somebody good along the way. Get going. And then it was five games. There you go. We're faster than them. So yeah, I, I was sorry to see it. I, I would like to see what I would like to see greatness continue. Uh, and and that's what I was hoping for, but didn't like just I want to see Lillard keep going on. You know they lost. Their coach got fired, or I'm sorry, mutually agreed to part ways. <laughs> right. Like he agreed, Terry Stotts agreed to leave the building when they fired him. But uh, right. Um, <laughs> right? Were you? That's did a, you have a rooting it. interest in anybody in the West? By the way, no. Oh, a rooting interest? Yeah. No, I really don't. I actually, I, I picked. Utah, when pressed to pick a couple of months ago when I was having a conversation with uh, with Cody Westerlin of our station. So I guess I guess Utah would be my rooting interest. Okay. That's You? No. Was it the no, Lakers? No, I just I 
I root for stories. Yeah. Whatever whatever teams get advanced, there's probably a good story there, and then I'll see how I feel about it, and I just want to see good stuff. I want to see a good version of whatever I'm watching. I mean, when you... Did you see... Did you watch much of the Hawks-Knicks series? No, I did not watch. I've not watched... I've barely watched any of the 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 NBA. I guess once the Bulls were out, it wasn't that... And, and the baseball right. is so good, and the, and the Bears stuff is hot, so no. Right. Okay, I, and I totally get that. It was... It was sort of, you know, old timers. They was all right. Let's go, let's let's go to the high school reunion because there's Tibbs and Derek and Taj and I don't know. There might as well have been Joe Keem and Keith Bogans and Cebu's, and they're they've got the Knicks <laughs> back, and it's part of one of the series. You know, that series was noted for the fan ugliness that just got yeah. out of hand, and and I'll get. We'll discuss that in a moment. But that idea of the Hawks and the, and there's Trey Young. And you, I never knew, I haven't studied him enough, watched him enough, but I, my feeling was always, you don't know what you're going to get. And there was a, almost a John Starksness about it. Give me the ball, I'll get hot. You're not hot. Uh-huh. Give me the ball, I will get hot. Right. Give me the ball, <laughs> I'm hot. You're not hot. Give me the ball, I will get hot. That kind of thing. I'm shooting, I'm uh-huh. doing that. So... So you, if you only saw one part of the series, then it should have been Trey Young's step back three with 43 seconds to go in game five. And he hits it in the garden, and he goes, and then he takes a bow. He takes a bow, and he's, his quote afterwards was, I did it in high school after I hit a game winner. I know where we are. I know there's a bunch of shows around this city. And I know what they do when the show is over. <laughs> I love that. See, I, I, I could root for a guy as cocky yeah. as that. And, I, yeah. I, and if I had to work, I, if I was rooting for one player in the West, it would be Luka Doncic. Okay. Right? I, he's, I love what he does. I love the talent. I so wanted the Bulls to get him. I just, he's been, he's he's been terrific. amazing. But again, that's the story. Trey Young is like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm okay. I'm looking. Go. Mm-hmm. So, so that was it. I know we have more. What Mark heard. What time to take a break? Yeah, we'll come back yeah, and, and finish it, Mark. Yep, yep. But we've got some uh, a great Michael Jordan moment, and we will oh. discuss the sticky stuff on Ex- pitchers' hands in baseball. Excellent. I had marked that down too. So now, what Mark heard, mark down, mark it down. Saturday suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Part two of what Mark heard, our near award-winning segment with, coincidentally enough, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. It all makes sense on this show, and 30 years ago today... Oh, yeah. There was one of the greatest Michael Jordan individual moments of all time. Roll it. When he came down the lane, he just went one way, said, well, I don't know. And then he went off against the glass. He can do the impossible, the unbelievable. And it was his game tonight. 
Cliff threw it back to me, and I saw a clear lane to the basket, so I was going to dunk the ball. But then I saw long arm Sam Perkins there, and, and it was just instincts to change it. I changed it to my left hand and was able to get it off. It's one of those creative moves. And sometimes creativity, you just don't know what's going to happen. It looks like Michael Jordan's trying to find a way to miss his shot. Instead of taking the easy one, he tries to make it hard and still comes up. He's saying to the fans, I love it. Game two, Steve, of the 1991 NBA Finals. Michael Jordan switching hands in midair. It was spectacular. Yeah, the right-handed dunk became a left-handed lay-in off the glass, and and it was probably wonderfully satisfying that he did it against former North Carolina teammate Sam Perkins, long-arm Sam Perkins sticking his yeah. hand in there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was that was that's icon. That and the shrug. The shrug would be the next year, and then yeah. uh, he left. He left uh, those kind of moments that was that was quite that was quite the move and that was the first one the 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 best part of that series though for me was when mm-hmm. phil jackson or whomever came up with the idea to put scotty pippen on magic you remember yeah. that right yeah yeah and then it was over it was over yeah, and i remember <laughs> my favorite chris farley moments was i don't remember maybe it was 2016 doing Cubs pre and post and Scotty Pippen was in the, he was doing the stretch and, and he hung out with us like for like five innings and he was just sitting next to me. Right. He's sitting there down there drinking a beer and just being all Scotty. And I, I said to, I did to Chris, I go, I go, you remember when, uh, Phil Jackson put you on <laughs> in that <laughs> series? Really? He, I swear to God, I swear to God, cause I was getting comfortable with Scotty and Scotty looked up at me. He goes, he goes, yeah, that was awesome. Oh my. <laughs> wow, you're just Chris Farley moments all over the place with with your idols, right? Yeah, Man, well, and, the, and then the big Scotty Pippen smile, too. Like, he, he was so happy that I brought it up. Like, it made sure. him, like, I think it made his night. I think it made his night. And did you um, do really go full Farley and talk in, and the dunk over Ewing? Did you get to that point? Oh, Remember I that should. time you drunk dunk over Ewing? Stupid! I forgot. Uh, oh, man. But no, I didn't. I didn't go that far. I just, I just, I reminisced about that. We had a game to to watch and cover, so I couldn't get too sure. in depth with okay. it. But all right, I got one more cut for you, Steve. And this uh-huh. comes from a fellow Steve, Steve Stone. You know that. There is this sort of murmur of trying to get the sticky stuff out of baseball, the pitchers doctoring the baseball in the baseball, doing crazy things, and the, the grip even improves velocity, all that kind of stuff. So you know about all that that has been going on. Um, and Steve Stone was on the score this week trying to throw out, put, give some perspective and some potential solutions. I think we're at the point now where – our game has to have more action. And in order to have more action, you have to have more contact. In order to have more contact, you're going to have to do something that promotes contact. Right now, the pitchers are far ahead of hitters as far as maybe the technology. This whole idea of tunneling that most pitchers use, you can't tell the ball coming out of their hands exactly what it is. So in promoting contact, there's a couple of things that you can do. This whole idea of deadening the baseball, which was something they thought they were going to do coming into this year, has made the ball lighter, which means that the ball moves more. 
So it was, it was, um, it wasn't, it's not doing what it intended to do, which was keep the ball in the ballpark, make more contact. So we know that's not happening. Strikeouts are up uh, almost alarmingly. And uh, I, I think that it will be addressed. I know it's going to be addressed. And when they do, they'll come up with something and it could be as easy as making a league approved substance that pitchers use to get a better grip but not necessarily get the uh, this killer grip that increases uh, revolutions uh, three four hundred uh, not percent but three or four hundred revolutions on on a four seam fastball I mean it's easy to see you can take a guy you can put him let's say you put a guy in a bullpen and you make sure he has nothing on them and then you let him throw you a four seam fastball and you're going to see 2,300, 2,350 revolutions, whatever it is uh, on Rapsodo that they quantify. Well, then let them use a little sticky stuff, and you're going to see 2,700. I mean, it's that radical a difference, which means you're going to get late movement, which means the hitter's eye is not going to be, the ball's not going to be where he expects it to be. So, yeah, I think they will implement something. I, I think they will move to uh, to do away with it or find some way to make it acceptable. But I think Rob Manford and what he wants to do uh, and what they're experimenting with in the minor leagues, whether it's moving the mound back or maybe lowering it. I don't think lowering it's going to do anything, but moving it back a foot. It's going to be to promote more action in the game because I've always said the artistry in our game is on defense. If you have that true result, the walks, the strikeouts, the home runs, there basically is very little defense. And I think you can see how great these athletes are when you see the great plays made in the infield, the outfield, et cetera. So promoting contact is where it is, and that promotes action, and you get guys running around the bases, and everybody's happy. Rosie, what do you think about the whole sitch? I think it's impossible to police. They can do their best. They can throw guys out. They can try to make it scared. They can they make them scared of it. That It's impossible to police. They put Rawson out there. You know, you well, I'm sorry, I got sunscreen on my face or whatever. If you get anything on the really, you have to be strict. You get anything on a ball, you, you're going to have a lot of games being stopped. They look at the ball, they throw a guy out. That's what it's going to have to be. You got anything on your cap, you got a spot on your cap, you're thrown out of the game. Uh-huh. Anything that looks suspicious. And you know what? You remember that funny play for which there was no consequence when the ball got stuck to Molina's chest protector? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's doing that for the pitcher. He's just uh-huh. rubbing the, throwing the ball back, rubbing his hands, and he gets a yep. ball sticky for the pitcher, right? Yep. So you throw Absolutely. catchers out of the game, too. Yep. That's all you're going to do. You're going you're to need a rash of ejections in order to oh clean it God, up. Oh, my God, you're right. And I, I, otherwise, there's no consequence. There has to be a consequence. Right. And and, so, and there's a hundred ways to to you know undermine the system, and and right. that's, the, that's the game that's going to have to be the game within the game. So you're right. Let's see if, see if we know anything more next week um so anyways we're we're gonna take a break when we come back we have a jed hoyer interview that he did with bruce levine and david haw inside the clubhouse so i want to thank chris emma for joining us today james fox of Southside socks and uh brandon fryer for sitting in for trash panda who is i think he's doing a, the hegstead ha, uh, wait the handstand kegs i think he's doing something <laughs> like that and, and or maybe he's maybe he's drinking trash pandas. Maybe he's drinking the blood of trash pandas as part of some Probably. satanic some satanic ritual. So Mark, if if it happens that nobody important listen to the show, we'll be back next Saturday and we can discuss more of this. All right, hold your breath, buddy. Okay, I will.
Saturday Suckage, thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. All right, welcome in, welcome back. Cubs at Giants. The Cubs will try to do something they haven't done, like win. Beat the Giants. 6.15 tonight on the score. First pitch, 5.40 is the pregame show with Zach Zaidman right here on the very score station you're listening to. Earlier today on Inside the Clubhouse, Cubs president, general manager Jed Hoyer was on and he talked and he had some pretty revealing things to say about what team and what it'll look like on the other side. Thanks for listening to The Score. We are pleased to go out to The Score hotline and bring in the Cubs president, Jed Hoyer, who is uh, kind enough to join us this morning. Good morning, Jed. How are you? I'm great, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. A little bit uh, tired staying up to watch uh, that game last night. <laughs> These West Coast trips are not good for, for your sleep patterns. But um, certainly, let's start there, Jed, because we have a lot to, we want to get to talk to you about. But... Last night was a really newsy game because of what happened in the dugout. Uh, b- before we get any further, what was your reaction to what you saw happen between Wilson Contreras and Anthony Rizzo? And and do you know yet what caused it? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I, I talked to Rossi after the game for a while. I was just more about, well, roster moves and things like that, and that came up briefly. But, you know, I, I think to me the – uh, the, the the bummer of the whole thing was it happened publicly. You, know, you never want those things to happen in the dugout. Um, things like that happen in the clubhouse. You know, throughout the summer, you don't not often, but you know, you got you know fifty people traveling around the country in a competitive industry trying to win. These things happen, you know, and uh, there's no big deal. It's the kind of thing that's that's kind of over and done with right after. But you know, I think got, that they were frustrated. I think we'll keep you know the reasons why you know in, internal, but they were they were they were frustrated. They sort of had their moment and. You know, if that moment happens in the batting cage or something like that, no one ever knows about it. So, no, uh, it's all good. Uh, they've been teammates for a long time. They actually get along great, and uh, we'll sort of move forward. And you know, uh, I think that that's the, you know, that's the kind of passion you don't you don't like to see guys going at it uh, together like that. Like that's not a, a, a positive. But at the same time, it kind of goes to show these guys are these guys are playing hard every night. They they want to win. And when they're when we're struggling in uh, in San Francisco, they're not happy about it. Jed Hoyer joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, thank you for taking the time out today to enjoy uh, to join uh, David and myself. And uh, staying in, in that vein, um, I know myself, people in the media, fans are tremendously interested in the month of June. Eight home games, 18 road games, 0-2 so far on that uh, road trip against all teams who are, have better than 500 records, um, probably the best teams in the National League you play this month, uh, most of them away. Uh, is this a litmus test for you to observe as uh, the architect of this team going forward and make some really difficult decisions about adding, subtracting, or staying the same after you see how the month of July, uh, June plays out? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, first of all, that May was, you know, so incredibly successful. We, we played so well. We, you know, played. You know, we we beat beat some teams we need to beat, but we also played exceptionally well against some very good teams, and you know, we played really well at home. And you know, I thought that the brand of baseball that we played was, you know, was really outstanding. Um, and yeah, June it was no question. Like when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, 
you know, that's sort of the month you circled as the most difficult month. Um, as you said, like, you know, 18 road games. And, uh, you know, most importantly, when you look at the schedule and how you're going to perform, you know, two trips to the West Coast in one month is, is really difficult. So yeah, I do think this is a, I don't want to call it a litmus test, but yet there's no question that, you know, this is a, uh, this is a period of schedule where we have to, we have to play really well. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be games that, that, that we're going to struggle. There's no question in, in a schedule like that, but we need to win the games we can win. And uh, we need to keep playing the same kind of, uh, you know, energetic baseball we've been playing for the last month. And I think we'll be okay, but yeah, it's a challenging one. Uh, you know, when you get, when you get the schedule, you look at your West coast trips for a reason. And, uh, you know, we happen to be going out there and right now and playing two teams that are, uh, that are playing incredibly good baseball with, you know, great run differentials. And um, this was always going to be a challenge. And, uh, you know, the first two nights have been challenging. And we just need to, over the next five games, we just need to, you know, play better and uh, get some W's. So, Jeb, we talk about this a lot on a daily basis almost if from uh, Cubs uh, talk radio to Cubs fans in the stands, you know, what, what direction this organization is headed this season. And, and I know that you're probably well aware of the way players have openly discussed being motivated by that possibility that this may be their last run together. They may be dismantled before the trade deadline. So I guess, are, are you saying, was May good enough to, to take you off the fence if you were wondering whether or not you're going to be buyer or seller? Is that a, is that a, a decision that is still being determined? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, listen, I think it was outstanding. And I obviously, you know, I think all along our hope has been that we would be on the buy side. And, and certainly the way we played in May and the, where we are in the standings, that would, you know, that would certainly be the decision. Uh, you know, that said, I, I they do feel like we, you know, um, there's no, you know, we can't have some arbitrary cutoff where that that's decided, you know? So obviously like right now, uh, there's no question. We're not in that, in that position and we don't want to be in that position. And I, I hope we play well all month, but you know, I think ultimately um, there is, there is no reason. There's no, there's no cutoff, uh, you know, and I think we have to continue to just to make the, make the best decisions, but just to be clear, you know, um, I love the way this team's playing. The energy has been fantastic. Uh, obviously bullpen has, has really, has really stepped up and, you know, there'd be a, you know, certainly it's our hope to, to be on that, on the, the good side of the, those transactions, so to speak, where we're adding and, and uh, really pushing to, you know, to win this year. I think, I think that's what everyone, you know, from ownership on down really wants. President of Baseball Operations for the Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer, David Hall, Bruce Levine's guest on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. And let me advance that question a little further, Jed, by saying on June 11th, uh, Wrigley Field will welcome all fans for the first time since uh, September of 2019. <clears throat> With that great joy for the fans and for people watching the game and covering it, also comes for you, you and your owner more revenue, a lot more revenue. Uh, more importantly, revenue you can count on. How will that and how can that impact decisions made going toward the future of instead of possibly waiting till the off season to determine additions, maybe going after some of those controllable players right now to help for now and the future. In other words, killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a, I mean, even 60% was a, was a great positive. And, you know, I can't tell you how nice it was to have, have fans back in the stands and feel that energy and, um, as much as we've looked forward to it, um, I think it was even more 
um, exciting and, and the difference was even bigger than we imagined. You know, the comments from our players, our coaches, from other teams, uh, executives and, and coaches just about how loud it was and, and how great it was. And, you know, of course you can't measure it, but I'm sure it had uh, a real impact on our performance. And we, we played, we've been playing great at home, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. And 100% is going to be going to be really terrific. Um, and obviously when, from a revenue standpoint, I think I've already said, you know, on the record, yeah, I think we'll, we should have flexibility. I think that the fact that um, things opened up a little faster than you, and, than, than we expected and we, we have additional revenue as a result, we should have some flexibility. You know, as far as trades go, you know, I think what you, what you said is, uh, you know, something that obviously, you know, we, we'll look at strongly. I think when it comes to trades, um, there's probably some time before the league is going to start moving you know there could be some, a one-off trade here or there but you know i can i can tell you that you know as far as you know the trade market you know it, it, it's it's always slower than people think it takes time to, to get into it and you know early june you still need to you know compete with what you have and use your depth and uh, and that's what we're going to do but as we get deeper into the into the trade season yes we should have some some flexibility to make moves and um, the early opening of of things uh, certainly helps you know, Jed, when you look at your big three, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and the starts that they are off to and how resurgent of a season this has been for KB and, and Javi as well, I think, his baseball renaissance, and you look at his numbers, very impressive. So I, because it comes up so often, philosophically speaking, it, it, how realistic or unrealistic is to think that this is something you guys discuss internally or as an organization in terms of locking either or all of them up long-term to deals that would you know, remove this sort of uncertainty to conversations about their future? Yeah, well, I, I mean, listen, all three are iconic players for the Cubs, and deservedly so, and I think that, um, you know, so it, individually and as a group, I think, you know, our affection for those guys is, you know, is, is incredibly real based on what they've done and based on who they are as people. Um, and, and over over the last five years, but even really over the last year or so, we, we, we've had, you know, conversations with those guys about extensions. We've never, you know, you know we've never gotten there. Uh, in season, it's really difficult, you know. Um, players are reluctant to, to negotiate in season. They want to focus on baseball, and, and, and I understand that. And, you know, um, I've always said, like, I think it's, it's one of those things where you need to keep those conversations internal if you're going to have them. I think that it's not fair to negotiate in, in, in the public sphere. So, if we do have those discussions, if one of the players reaches out and wants to wants to talk about it, then we would certainly you know, entertain those discussions. But um, as far as our desire um, to you know to retain you know uh, those players, uh, obviously I think they're they're great players. That what they've done here is really special. And um, if there's a way to continue that relationship, obviously we want to do that. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 